This is episode number 775 with world record holder Colin O'Brady. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Success is not measured by what you can accomplish, but by the opposition you have encountered, the courage with which you have maintained the struggle against overwhelming odds. Orison Madden. And Walter Bighot said, the greatest pleasure in life is doing what people say you cannot do. Welcome to this interview. We've got world record holder Colin O'Brady, who's a professional endurance athlete, motivational speaker, and adventurer. He's a three-time world record holder, and in 2016, he set the Explorers Grand Slam and Seven Summits speed records. He's the type of a guy who comes up with this extreme adventure and thinks about how can I create results with something that no one's ever physically done? How can I overcome the most challenging odds the physical body can actually endure and then set a record. He just finished doing a solo expedition across Antarctica, unguided, with zero help. He carried a sled across for almost 60 days by himself. The guy is a true uh, leader in learning how to push the mind and the body beyond its limits. And in this interview, we talk about how Colin and his wife came up with the idea to break a world record, the power of being able to adapt to all challenges, physical and mental, how he overcame major injuries early on in his life. He endured an extreme fire where almost all of his body was burned and he said he would never walk again. And now he's doing this, which is crazy. And the power of flow state and what it can do for you on a daily basis. At the end of this journey in Antarctica, he essentially went for almost a day straight to finish out and push through what normally would take three days. And he talked about tapping into this flow state of mind, even when you have no energy, even when your body is weak, when your mind is broken, how do you tap into that? And I'm super excited about this. Make sure to share it with your friends. Also, you can see the full journey of Colin's recent adventure. Every day he posted a photo in Antarctica, which is crazy to see how he progressed day by day. So you can follow him on Instagram, Colin O'Brady over there as well. And this episode is lewishouse.com slash 775. So make sure to tag me over on Instagram, post it on social media, text this link to a friend of yours because I know it will inspire them to push a little further in their life. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success. 
so you can pursue your goals, knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Okay, quick math. The less your business depends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep, obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash greatness. netsuite.com slash greatness. Again, head to netsuite.com slash greatness. Big thank you again to our sponsors. And without further ado, let's dive into this one with the one, the only Colin O'Brady. Welcome everyone back to the School of Greatness podcast. We've got the legend in the house. Good to see you, man. Oh, man. You Great to see you. How you doing, man? Doing good. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Good, man. Now, for those that don't know about you, you just finished an incredible journey uh, in Antarctica, crossing 60, well, 55 days, right? Yeah, 54 days. 54 days in an unaided journey, dragging a 300-pound sled or something crazy like this, <laughs> where no one was able to touch you or support you in the process of crossing this part of Antarctica. Yeah. And it was 54 days. You had like a 60-day plan. Yeah. But you sprinted the last like two days or something. <laughs> indeed, stop. indeed. Yeah. And it was incredible to watch this journey. You've been all over the news lately. And you were kind of racing against another guy who was doing the same thing. And what an incredible journey, man. Congrats on completing Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was, a, it was a wild ride to say the least. You know, it was a... And I had a few, a few other world records to my name previous to that in the mountains, but this was a world first. You know, this was something that no one in history had ever accomplished. And going back 100 years, people have tried. You know, Ernest Shackleton 100 years ago was kind of one of my heroes, one of the early pioneering explorers. He said, like, man should cross the continent of Antarctica. And it's been done now in teams of people or as well as, you know, using wind aid, kites, dogs. But it has never still been done in its most pure form, which is solo, completely alone, unsupported, so no resupplies of food or few drop-offs and unaided, meaning, you know, no kites, no dogs, no vehicles. Just this is like a man versus nature, mano wow. y mano out there. And so it was, a, it was a beautiful challenge to take on as I'm really, you know, just fascinated as myself is just tapping into the potential that I think we all have inside of us right. and unlocking that. So this curiosity inside me as an athlete led me to want to go after this. And I didn't know if it was possible. I literally named my project as I set off the impossible first. Amazing. Yeah. It's amazing, man. Now, Antarctica is huge. Right? Yeah. It's pretty big. How yeah. big is it so people know? Gosh, I think uh, I'm gonna, I wish I, I should know the answer to this question. <laughs> the, it's uh, yeah, it's massive. The traverse that I was making, so it was basically from one side of the ocean via the South Pole to the other side, um, was just under a thousand miles. So, a thousand miles. Yeah. Pulling a sled yep. in the snow. What was the temperature most of the time? So the average temperature in our car is about minus 25, minus 30, and that's with no wind. 
Antarctica is the windiest and coldest continent in the world. And so often days would be 50, 60 mile per hour wind gusts and you'd literally have, gosh, I don't know, minus 80 degrees wind chill. The, the easiest way for me to describe it, I know you're from Ohio, so I know you know a little bit about yes. cold weather and whatnot, but what I will say is this, I, I couldn't experience that cold until I realized I took a cup of boiling water from my tent and I would throw it in the air it would immediately turn into ice. Like that's how cold that is. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so then for me, that's like, sometimes it's hard to put in perspective where it's like, yeah, it was cold. Well, wow, that's real cold. No, like it's so cold that boiling water could turn into ice in a second. Now, how do you make sure you keep your temperature, I guess, regulated? Because I sweat when I'm moving, even in the snow. Yeah. And can you sweat in temperatures like that? No, no. So there's a sort of an, an adage in the world of polar exploration, which is if you sweat, you die. Wow. Um, and it, it potentially a little hyperbolic, but to be honest, it, it's pretty true in that if you're pulling a 375 pound sled, it's amazing you can stay pretty warm while you're moving. But you stop for five seconds, 10 seconds to get a swig of water to eat a little bit of food and you can immediately go hypothermic. And so it's a matter of what I say is staying comfortably cool. So it's moving at a pace that keeps you warm enough but also being aware enough of your body temperature that you're not sweating. But when I would stop, I would eat food every, you know, kind of a steady flow of food and these column bars that were self-created for this project. I would, uh, you know, eat very, very, frequently, but even in those little like 30 second breaks, I'd put on a huge puffy jacket, really? like immediately. It's not like you, st you don't stand around in the cold at all. I mean, it's that cold that, you wow, know, hypothermic man. frostbite can set. And I got a little bit of frostbite on my cheeks and nose wow. from these windstorms. Like it, the, the conditions are real out there, no doubt. Wow, man. How many world records do you have for this first? So um, you've done Everest, you've done all these different mountains. Yeah, so I set the world record for something called the Explorer's Grand Slam in 2016. And so that was one of my bigger, first big world record projects. And the goal there was to be the fastest person to complete the Explorer's Grand Slam, which is climbing the tallest mountain on each of the seven continents. Of course, Everest, Denali, Kilimanjaro, et cetera, as well as complete expeditions both the North Pole and the South Pole. And these polar journeys were just across the last degree of latitude. So that was only, six, only but 69 miles to reach each of the poles across the last degree of latitude. Which unaided? Seemed, or unaided yeah, exactly, unaided. Seemed hard at the time, but now when I've done a thousand mile journey in wow. Africa, but that was a, that project was 139 days consecutive. So all nine of those expeditions, Everest, Denali, et cetera, back to back to back to back without any rest, 139 days. So you, you broke the world record for the fastest. Cumulative time wow. of that. You know, fewer than 50 people had ever completed the Grand Slam. Most of those people have done so in five years or 10 years, trained for an wow. expedition, rested between, planned the next one. And I built it to do it all consecutive consecutively throughout. Crazy, man. Yeah, yeah. How long does it take to get to the top of Everest? So generally, Everest expedition will last about two months. Uh, wow. In my case, I was coming straight off the North Pole. So what's crazy is the North Pole is at sea level. It's literally ice floating around in the middle of the ocean. And I had to go straight from there to Everest. And because I was at sea level, I was not acclimatized at all. So flying to Everest, but I was late and delayed because the sea ice was cracking in the North Pole. Literally, you can fall through the cracks into the frozen ocean. It's a crazy place. There's polar bear. I mean, it's one of the wildest landscapes ever in the middle of the floating ocean. You're at the North Pole and the ice is floating around you're actually moving away from the pole and you're having to walk back because it's just a GPS wow. point in the middle of the ocean, basically. But to fly from there all the way to Everest, I only had three weeks rather than two months to climb it. And that in itself was just an, an epic battle. And this came because of the weather windows on that project towards the end of my project. So Everest was the eighth of the last nine expeditions. But what happened up there is I made it into the death zone, which is above 26,000 feet. It's known because the, the human body, even with supplemental oxygen, can't survive for long. Oh my gosh. And, How uh, many feet is that up? That's at 26,000 feet where the death zone starts, but Everest is 29,000 feet. Oh my feet. gosh. 
And so I pushed for the summit, my very first push. No, I didn't have any guides with me, just one Sherpa who was climbing with a guy by the name of Pasang Bodhi, incredible Nepalese Sherpa. And we got caught up in a massive storm. I mean, the weather came in, winds blowing, you know, 50, 60 mile per hour winds. And we quickly know we got to abandon our summit attempt. It took, we were lucky to even get our tent up, it took two or three hours, had to descend off the mountain. Thought my entire project, you know, had disappeared, but we kind of found the strength and courage to go back up in another massive, you know, challenging storm, but made it to the summit three days later, but you'll love this. So I come back down, I get back into camp four, into the death zone, I've summited Everest. It's a you know, beautiful moment for me, and I'm one mountain away from setting the world record, and I'm about two months ahead of schedule. So I'm like, if I get Denali, like, I could probably do this. Like, wow. It's coming into reality. And my wife, Jenna, who's not just a supportive partner, but really just the co-creator with me. We dream up these projects together. We built a nonprofit around inspiring young people and kids. There's tons of public schools, 100 hundreds of thousands of public schools kids following along this project at the time. And that's really where our passion lies around health and wellness. Now we can talk more about that later. But anyways, I call home to Jenna and I say, Jenna, you know, I just summited Everest. We got one mountain to go. And she goes, okay, great. Like, how are you feeling? I'm like, well, I'm exhausted. I'm still up at 26,000 feet. It's going to take me a few days to get down and we can regroup for this next mountain. And she goes, yeah. And she says something I'll never forget. She goes, I actually need you to put your boots back on right now. I'm like, wait, what? And she's like, yes, we've been doing some calculating back home. And it just so happens that if you can get down from Everest today, I've arranged for a helicopter to pick you up in base camp. The helicopter's gonna take you to Kathmandu, but there's no time for you to rest in a hotel. An evening flight's gonna take you to Dubai, to Seattle, to Anchorage. And instead of having three weeks to climb Denali, you'll have three days. But if you can do all that, you'll set not one, but two world records. You can have the seven summits record as well. <laughs> so wow. it's this moment where I just laugh now. I love this quote, you've probably heard it, but it's a Henry um, Ford quote, he who says he can and he who says he can't are usually both right. right. Uh, one of the ones I've lived by, and it's this moment of like, you know, A, I know better than to not listen to my wife because she, she's a badass and she's amazing and knows when to push me. But I'm like, all right, maybe we can pull this off. And sure enough, 100 hours after standing on the summit of Everest, I'm on the other side of the world at the base of Denali, three days battling this insane storm, but on oh you know, May 27, 2016, make it up to the summit of Denali and in, in this case set not one world record, but two world records wow, man. Um, finishing this project. And three so, days later started climbing Denali. Yeah, 100, 100 hours after being on the summit of Everest, I got to the base of Denali and then Denali usually takes three weeks itself to climb best case scenario and only about 30 or 40% of people attempting it even make the summit. And I managed to get to the summit in three days, battling this ridiculous storm there as well. How do you, how do you get there in three days? How's that even possible? <laughs> like I said, it was come straight down from Everest, not sleep a night, go all the way back down to base camp through the other four camps. There's a helicopter waiting there that took me to Kathmandu, fly to the other side of the world via a bunch of stops. Jenna's there in Anchorage to pick me up and drive me to the base of the national park. But in Denali, a bush plane has to fly you into the base of the mountain. It's a whole, Gosh. like, the logistic, like, not like I said, Jenna is a, a mastermind, not just of pushing my body, knowing my mindset, knowing how to support and love me and be compassionate running our nonprofit, but logistics, man. Oh, like, man. we're talking about nine locations seven continents, red tape, I mean, all this sort of stuff. So it was an incredible project for us to uh, cut our teeth on. And I mean, in the spirit of in the spirit of what I know you're about, I, lo I love this podcast, man. And I love um, just the, the entrepreneurial spirit that really you know, kind of shines through in the innovation. Like Jenna and I dream this up with nothing. Like we dreamed this up on a whiteboard. I had been racing triathlon professionally. We had gotten engaged and been like, what do we want to do with our life? Like, mm. what do we care about? And we had this moment where we literally wrote on a whiteboard in our one bedroom apartment, like, what if we could set this world record, but build a media campaign around it that has a lot of impact? 
And it sounded like this great idea, but like, wait, I haven't really climbed mountains. Uh-huh. We've never started a nonprofit. I have like 200 Instagram followers. We don't have a platform. We right. know nothing about media. We know nothing about PR. We're literally Googling on day one. Google, what's the difference between marketing and PR? Oh, sure. But in the end, it was a year of no, no, no. Everyone's saying no, like no support, but just built it day by day, kept showing up. And ultimately, a year and a half later, I'm on this project. She built it into something that had 500 million earned media impressions. We had a nonprofit. We had a partnership with a nonprofit where there was millions of kids following along, all these uh-huh. things. But it came out of literally nothing. I didn't. We both didn't grow up with money. We don't have this background in any of these things. But just this belief of like, we want to create this and put this love and impact out into the world through this storytelling, through uh-huh. this, this. So it was fun to see that come to life. And now this Antarctica project is the, the latest version or iteration Crazy, of, this, of this passion for us. How many of these journeys have you done so far? So Different adventures. Yeah, so the other world record that I set between this was that we did something called the 50 high points. And so I set yeah. the speed record for climbing the tallest mountain in each of the U.S. 50 states. Um, and some I of those the, are like little hills. Yeah, some of them are little states, hills. Yeah. Exactly. But it was fun, man. It was We did it in, uh, I did it in 21 days. The previous record had been 42. But the funnest part for me, because for me, I don't really want to think, I don't think of myself as this athlete in the arena. Like, hey, watch me do this world record. To me, that's like, not interesting at all. In fact, I've started to think of myself way less as an athlete and more so as an artist. I've mm-hmm. started to think of myself, my canvas just happens to be endurance sports, yeah. but through that I want to paint these masterpieces that I can share with people out in the world that have this reverberation of positivity and inspiration. And so with this 50 High Points project before Antarctica, our goal with that canvas, with that masterpiece or that art project that we were trying to create, we did something we called the Forrest Gump effect. So we literally got on social media and we said, hey, join like, us. Join us. We're going to be going all over the country. What we want to do is meet people. We want to meet people in each one of these states. Show us your backyard. Hike a mile with us. Meet us on the top of a summit. We're going to be coming through here fast and and hot, but like come hang out. And we met thousands of incredible people. We met, you know, remember in in Virginia, we were on the summit of Virginia with, you know, 50, 60 uh, school kids, students who had never camped out before, never been in the the backcountry, never been on a hike, but they came and joined us on a seven-mile hike. I met an 85-year-old great-grandmother in Illinois Granted, the hike in Illinois, it's pretty flat out there. It wasn't huge, but she did it. It was a mile hike, wow. came with us. And I got I walked back with her and I said, what's the secret? Like, what, what's the essence of life? And she's talking to me about life and love and her story and compassion. And so it's this way of, yes, I am doing these art projects or these athletic feats or world records or world first, whatever that is, but as a way to just connect with humanity, have these amazing conversations, Mm. meet people both in person and virtually. And for me, that's what lights me up. Yeah, amazing, man. Why do you want to do these things in the first place? Because (laughs) this is like, we did a, for those that don't know, we we did Jesse Itzler's uh, 29029 climb, which is like the equivalent of Everest, but it's like the, dad's club version of it where you're like climbing a mountain what was it like a mile up yeah so it was like a mile up yeah what was it like 1700 feet per lap it's in Stratton Vermont and you have to do 17 laps of it uphill which equals 29,000 feet the equivalent of 29,029 feet the equivalent of Everest and this is like you know the dad's club version of climbing Everest but I'm telling you I was Dying. This is 35 years, 35 (laughs) hours, and I was just like dead. (laughs) It was amazing. So you saw me in the tent at night. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm like dying, dude. We met there. uh, We were we shared a tent. And, you know, obviously we get to know each other, we're having a good time, and you you guys are out there chipping away, you know, I'm, I'm climbing the laps. Not I training think that I was, for this at all. No. You guys were coming off your big your big event. No, sh- uh, not in shape, yeah. And I remember you were like, I remember coming in, 
I was two laps ahead of you guys. I'm like, I'm gonna go get a little bit of sleep. And it was like 11, a, 11 p.m. And we've been, you've been going for like 15 hours straight. And you're like, Colin, I wanna get to the same number that you're on so that tomorrow we can all finish together. And I was like, I was like, awesome, great. <laughs> so you're like, I'm gonna head about for two laps. And each lap had been taking like an hour, maybe an hour, 15, yeah, hour, hour 20, 15, something 20, like yeah. that, right? And six hours went by and I woke up and I was like, oh man, Lewis just must have blew me off and just went through the night like a badass. <laughs> Sure yeah. enough, you unzip the tent and you're shaking. I thought I had hypothermia, dude. I you're thought like, was, you're like, turn the heater on, turn was, the heater on. I'm shaking. No I'm like heat. trying to heat the tent up. There was no heat. You were just smiling, cozy in your tent. I was like, dude, I feel like I, I was like, bro, did you finish? And you were like, no, I just did the two that you said I, said I was gonna do. We got to. But get back it was like so wet outside. Oh it was my like, god. We were just walking through water mud, and mud water. and it's like snowing or whatever and it was miserable. But I knew that if I timed this out, I was like, I need to get a certain amount of hours of sleep. If I don't get to 13 laps, I think yeah. it was, like I probably won't finish tomorrow totally. with like four hours of sleep. And I remember waking up, <laughs> you were like, okay, we're gonna wake you up in three hours, yeah. it's like four hours, I'm like, okay, I'll be good. You woke me up and I was like, I want to lay here all day. I was like, Lewis, let's go. And you're like, yeah, about <laughs> <Okay>. that. <laughs> I almost had a moment where I was like, I don't think I'm going to finish. Yeah. I had that moment in my mind. I was like, I gave an amazing effort. My yeah. body is busted, <laughs> broken. Yeah. I was like, I, I can't break through this. And then I think you left after being like, okay, but hope to see you out there. Yeah. And Matt <laughs> was like, dude, we're doing this. Let's just do one lap. Yep. That's how it starts, man. You got to focus on one lap. Not like I have five more to go. I was just you're starting like, to do the time. You're like, that's like six or seven more I hours. Know. I was like, I'm done. This. But in the end, you guys got out there and crushed it. Thirty-five it like hours with like an hour remaining. Hour to go. And like, I mean, that event's tough. Like, what fifty percent of people finish and yeah. don't. What I love about that event, though, is that it's a celebration of everyone being out. That's not yeah. a race. It's not yeah. competitive. It's kind of you know, Jesse says it's you against you, and I love that. And then that's why I think that race is a race. You know, that event is really cool because yeah. you guys are out. Out there, I'm out there, like Crazy, we're hanging man. out. It's just a fun, it's like a, participatory, it's a great thing. experience. Such a good experience. We didn't have a strategy going into it <laughs> until day two, when we had to stop like every 20 feet. Once it got steep, our, I had to drag my legs up the hill. <laughs> You're like walking up, just like no poles, just having fun. I'm dragging my legs. I feel like I tore both my hip flexors, and I, re I realized then, like you've got to have a strategy. Yeah. And you had a strategy your whole time. Every time you do one of these experiences, you have a strategy. You don't just say, okay, I'm gonna just push through until I'm dead. Yeah. You have a strategy, and it sounds like Jenna's really helping you craft this strategy. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game or when you're hiring for your business and you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. With ZipRecruiter, you can find qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I believe finding the right team member is one of the most important steps in setting up my company for success. We like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help when we want to grow the team fast. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. But how does someone... You know, for me in this physical challenge, like I got up and I did one lap, and then I was like, okay, let me do one more. Yeah. And then one more. And I was like, okay, now we have two more to go. Yeah. We can finish this. How do people push through these mental or physical challenges when it seems like, gosh, it's gonna take me 10 years to launch a podcast like what Lewis has, or 10 years to build this business or to do this thing? How do people push through that barrier and how do you do it? For me, people love to ask me about my physical training, how do I get strong? There's some fun stories about the crazy training that I did to prepare for this and whatnot. But I believe that it's the muscle six inches between your ears. It's about flexing your mind is really what it comes down to. And I describe that moment of Jen and I writing our dreams onto this whiteboard. Sadly, as you know, that's where 99.9% .9 of dreams die as an idea. Because all of a sudden we have these doubts in our mind, oh, I can't, or it's gonna take 10 years, or I could never catch up to this person or that person or this metric or that metric. But it's about showing up. It's about getting out there every single day. So in Antarctica, so actually my first day in Antarctica, I think is really emblematic of that. And to be fair about the 2029 event, you're like, Colin, what are you doing in a couple weeks? You seem like you're in pretty good shape. And I was like, well, I'm gonna try to cross Antarctica by yeah. myself in like two weeks, literally like two weeks before I was leaving. So I was pretty well trained at that moment. But I get out there, we've been playing this project for well over a year. It's a world first, no one's ever done it. There's so many doubters and naysayers. Someone actually died 100 miles from the finish line three years ago trying this project. Another one of the best explorers in the world went out there the following year and after 52 days ran out of food and had to be picked up and, and didn't make it. So there's a lot of people, there's a lot of print articles and big magazines saying it's physically impossible to do this thing. And so like, I know that going in. And so we build this strategy. And the unsupported nature means you can't take any extra supplies with you. Basically what you have in your sled to start, no one can right. give you anything. 
essentially. And so at that case, like weight is of the, the essence. And so I pack my sled as much of food and as much fuel, the fuel I melt the ice into water. And I don't bring extra anything. I literally don't even have an extra pair of underwear with me for 54 days because like I can't, I'd rather have a hundred more calories in my sled of food. Same underwear. Like, for same underwear for 54 days. That's straight. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> that's, that's, some, yeah. that's some soggy <laughs> yeah. underwear right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not Oh nice. man. But, <laughs> Do you clean it at least? You try to? You no, can't. not much. You, you can't. Just, yeah, you just kind of like ride it out. Wow, man. So, no, not smelling One day of chafing and you're done too. Yeah. So, yeah, look after your body. But I get out there, I fly, this plane lands me on the edge of the Antarctic continent, takes off. I'm all alone out there, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I've dropped off alone. And, uh, well, actually, you had mentioned before there was another, another guy out there, which is like, important to mention at this point because another British explorer, one of the actually the most experienced in the world in terms of the amount of miles traversed in Antarctica and various other projects, he also decides that he wants to try to be the first. So not only am I now racing history, but this guy's a British Navy SEAL equivalent, you know, special forces guy. His name's Lou Rudd. And he's like a badass and he wants to do this as well it was his friend who died three years ago wow. he's doing that to honor him and i got a lot of respect for all of them. i mean there's a camaraderie as well of course and we both know what we're going through but we also both clearly want to be first and he's looking at me like who's this you know bit younger guy who doesn't have yeah. the real experience in antarctica who does he think he is and i'm kind of like trying to be like confident in my plan and so plane drops us off we're at a mile apart from each other equidistant from the first waypoint the first like gps marker on the map and i get out there and i've got this video of me being like it's a blue sky day it's great after all year of planning it's finally time for me to like try to cross antarctica i'm taking the first step and i bend down and to pull the strap on my sled to tighten it for the first time and ping the strap breaks no, literally the strap breaks like it's minus 25 and the, the plastic can't handle it breaks so right out of the gate i'm like Wow, this is going to be a long wow, journey. Man. This is before the first step. So then I strap into my sled, and the sled's the heaviest on the first day. 375 pounds to start was about the maximum I thought I could pull. So I put as much food as I could, even though I knew I was going to burn 10,000 calories per day, and I factored I could carry about 7,000 calories. So I was going to lose weight every single day straight from the get-go, even eating 7,000 calories. That's how intense and cold it is. And so I start pulling my sled. And you asked me before about sweat. About one hour in, I'm sweating and I'm like, wait, this sled's so heavy, but I can't not pull it without sweating. And so I start sweating. Then I realize I actually don't think I can pull this sled and I start crying. I literally start crying. But what happens when you cry when it's minus 25 degrees out? It freezes to your face. So I have frozen tears to my face and I'm one hour, two hours into this journey. And so I do the only thing I could think of is I call home to Jenna. Wow. And so I pick up the phone and I go, hey babe, um, yeah, we may have named our project the right thing. It appears to be impossible because <laughs> we had called it the impossible first. Wow. And she's like, oh, and so she tries to, you know, she's like, okay, well, and meanwhile, I'm seeing Lou disappear on the horizon with this beautiful, like, ski stroke, like, totally knows what he's doing, like, strong and steady out there. And, like, at this point, I can't even think about the fact that there's a race right. in place. I mean, I'm just trying to, like, get through the first day. And so she says to me, Colin, how far are you from the first waypoint? Like, she, she knows the route. We've studied it. She knows everything. The first waypoint's only a few miles from the drop-off point. And I'm like, I'm 0.63 miles from, you know, it's as if I'm saying it's a million miles. But she's like, okay, so you're half a mile from the first waypoint? Like, and this goes back to your original question of strategy, right? And she's like, do me a favor. Like, whatever you do, I know it's heavy. I know you're sweating. I know you're exhausted and you're probably a little bit afraid, understandably. Like, get to the first waypoint get to that first waypoint and you'll have felt like you got somewhere on the first day. 
So for the next hour, I struggled and battled and get to that first waypoint, set up my tent, get inside my tent, and I say to Jenna, like, I call her again, it's kind of our safety check at night off the sat phone. She's like, how are you doing? I was like, obviously, I'm stressed. She says, look, I actually went out there intentionally with not a lot of music, not a lot of podcasts, because I wanted to explore the silence of these flow states that I hope to tap into in my mind, something I'm very curious about, the sort of mental side of this. And she goes, tomorrow, do me a favor. Try to find the flow, even if just for a minute or two minutes. It's going to be a hard day. And so just those words, I went to sleep and I was like, okay, I made it to the first waypoint. I'll get up tomorrow and kind of regroup. And then I woke up and I'm big on mantras, but this mantra had never been with me before this and just came to me out loud as my alarm went off to wake me up on my first real full day out there. I said out loud to myself, I said, Colin, you are strong, you are capable. You are strong, you are capable. And that ended up being my mantra every single day, really? waking up for the rest of the entire 54-day journey. And sure enough, that next day, was it stupid challenging? Yes, but instead of two miles, I made it eight miles. And I found that flow state for a minute. The next day was nine miles, and I found that flow for two or three minutes. And so we had a strategy. It went out the window on day yeah, one. Yeah had to refocus, refocus on the mind, adjust a few things with our strategy because I was hoping to go further distances in that. She's like, well, like maybe it's not shorter distances at this at first, but as it gets lighter, maybe it'll go longer and all this kind of stuff. And so how do you strategize and plan for something that's been told is impossible? You're stepping into the unknown. It's by being adaptable and ultimately realizing that these things are happening in our minds, these doubts, these fears. That's a human mm. thing. I don't care yeah. who you are. I still have them. I have four world records and I've had you know, some a bit of success in my life through challenges. But like, I wake up every day with doubts and fears yeah. and challenges, but it's being able to quiet that in my mind and continue to get to that first waypoint or get to that next step wow. forward and whatever you're doing. Man, what did you do to get into flow every day then? Besides the mantra... How did you get into flow and how did you stay into it? Yeah, so that's something that I've just been fascinated with. So I grew up as a kid, uh, as a swimmer. It's funny, my, um, I have five older sisters actually, and uh, I'm the baby boy yeah. uh, and uh, an older brother as well, but I'm, you know, I'm a little, little boy of, of seven, blended family, but a, a big yeah, yeah. family, a loving, supportive environment. And uh, my sisters and my parents would always be like, you're always talking all the time, you're always this. Like I was trying to hang out with them, follow my sisters into their room, like always like chatting and all this kind of stuff. But what I realized is I spent four hours a day as a kid swimming, two hours before school, two hours after school, putting in those reps of quiet. Swimming's this mm-hmm. weird sport where you're staring at a black line, like you can't talk, there's no eye contact, there's no, you know, really can't really chat to your teammates even, you're kind of in this zone. And so before I knew the word flow state or high performance, this is me as a kid, I realized I was sort of tapping in and out of those states. And I became more conscious of that as I went through my life and became a, you know, professional triathlete after whole other crazy tangent of my life, being severely burned in a fire in Thailand and being told I would never walk again. We can talk about that if you want. But the... uh, more so, what happened when I was racing triathlon is a friend of mine came to me and she said, I don't know much about sports. This is a Turkish woman who's a wife of a good friend of mine named Eche. And she says, I don't know much about sports, but just by observing this, I see that like this is all in your guys' minds out here. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, Go on, swimming or the uh, outdoor This was triathlon. Stuff? So oh, this yeah, is yeah. triathlon. And, and she, this is when I was racing triathlon professionally. And she said, you know, I'd recommend that you go to these meditation retreats. And I was like, cool, I'm, I'm interested in meditation, but I don't like know a lot about it. I haven't done it. This is 2011. And she's like, yeah, if you've heard of a pasta meditation, it's these 10-day silent meditation retreats, 10 days, no reading, no writing, no eye contact, deep meditation. And she's like, you should try it. And I was like, well, don't I need like a little background in meditation before this? And she's like, no. 
Like, just, just do it. It's free. There's centers around the world. It's completely free to go. Like, go. And so me being the kind of, like, jump in head first type of person, as you can probably tell here, I was like, great, I'll go. So my off-season in travel on that year, I signed up for this meditation retreat. And my stepdad, he drives me up the retreat. And he goes, he goes, hey, Colin, like, I've pretty much never heard you shut up for a minute in your life. And so um, I'm going to wait here in the parking lot for uh-huh. an hour. <laughs> because once you realize this is a terrible idea, I'll be here waiting to drive you home. Wow. You know, joking. He's, he, my stepdad has this amazing mentor and influence in my life. Incredible man. But he's literally going, like, you're pretty extroverted. And you're telling me you're going to sit in silence by yourself for 10 days. Sure enough. I stayed for those 10 days and it had just a profound impact on my life of learning about that self-awareness in my mind, in my brain, et cetera. And so from that practice, which I've gone back to this 10-day retreat, I try to go every single year if I can, done several and um, as well as have a daily practice with it, I've kind of taken that into my my canvas, into my artwork, into my sport and this curiosity of the mind and where we can go in our mind and brain. And so one of my deep curiosity about Antarctica honestly, was yes, unlocking the physical potential inside of me, but as a gateway to do that, exploring the mind. And what better place Mm. to be alone in this endlessly white landscape? The sun never sets. There's no change of day. There's no dark. There's no dark. It's a blank white canvas. And like I said, I literally deleted almost all the media from my iPhone as to not, I actually had a couple School of Greatness podcasts, a couple couple of uh, ritual podcasts, a couple, a few podcasts and a a few uh, albums out there. I listened to some Paul Simon Graceland, a couple others, but there was very few. I spent 80, 90% of the time in complete silence. And it was a beautiful thing to explore that. So how did I tap into that flow? Like I said, some of the times it was 30 seconds. Some of the times it was, it was a, a minute or two. But as I kept on these repetition of days exploring this place in my mind, sometimes it was days, two mm-hmm. days, three days, where the sequence of days would come through in high performance. And the stakes are high. It's 50, 60 mile per hour winds. If I let go of my tent, I have no shelter. It's gone. It's 80 day degrees wind chill, minus 80 degrees wind chill. But I'm finding the space in my mind that is locked in and calm. And the most kind of most profound experience of that was actually on my very last day. So it's worthy of mentioning after the sixth day, I did catch up to uh, Mr. Captain Lou Rudd and surpassed him and ended up in front of him the rest of the time. Mm. And on the 52nd day, I woke up and I'm 77 miles away from the finish. And I'm thinking it's about three days, probably give or take that. It's Christmas morning and I wake up and I get outside of my tent and the deepest flow state of my entire life just comes over me. Mm. I just realize I recognize it, I say my mantra, I tap in, and I start exploring. When I'm in the deepest flow states, I'm also hyper aware. And so I start thinking like, how many more miles do I have to go? How much time would that take? Oh, it's three days, but what if I did it back to back? What if I did it in one big final push? I'd never gone more than 33 miles in an individual day, and I average about 15 to 17 miles a day. So I'm 77 miles away from the finish, wow. and I'm 53 days in this expedition. But I get into this place in my mind that's so deep where I feel this strength and this power and this flow that I start to say to myself, whoa, we have this capacity as humans. Not me, not me, but as humans. And I'm tapped into the vibration of my family and friends and the school kids that are following along and just this radiant positivity that I'm shining out but receiving back in such a significant way that I tap into this flow and for the next 32 hours, I don't stop. Wow. 
I continue onwards. I have to stop at hour 18 to put up my tent to melt a little bit of snow to get some more water because I'd ran out of water. Call home to my family. It's Christmas night. It's 7 p.m. for them on Christmas night. They're all gathered together. They're like, you did your best day ever, 18 mile, 18 hours. I can't believe it. You're almost a day or two from the finish. And I was like, I'm, I'm not going. stopping. I'm still going. <laughs> And my mother, who's been a huge influence in my life, and certainly Jenna, my wow. sister, these strong women who have just been like these amazingly positive influences on my life, they hear it in my voice. And of course, as a mother or as a wife or as a sister, you're a little bit worried. You're, you know, your person is out there in this intense environment, but they just they they reflect now as they've told me the story from their point of view, and they have it recorded on Christmas Day, you know, this this conversation that we had, and they were like, we could hear it in your voice. Wow. You were more focused and more clear than you've ever been. And they just said, I can't wait to hear from you in 12 hours. You're going to cross this finish line and create history. Wow. Go live your destiny. That's and it was crazy. just this beautiful, beautiful moment of the mind. And I think, I mean, I'll, I'll say the, you know, coming back home and it was asked all these questions in the media and press, which is, you know, super humbling. And this question that kept coming up and it keeps coming up, which is, Colin, are you superhuman? And my question is simple. I was like, yeah, I'm superhuman. And so are you. Mm. And so are you. Like what I'm tapping into in my mind is accessible to all of us. And like, yes, you may not want to walk across Antarctica by yourself. In fact, I don't blame you for not wanting to do that uh, for seriously. But like whatever it is, you talk about business, entrepreneurship, innovation, music, art, love, creation, positivity, whatever that is, like that is within us. And that's what I tapped into out there, which is the most special thing for me to come back Amazing, and be able man. to share is, is that resonant positivity and the power that we all have within us. It's crazy, man. What was the things you were saying to yourself the final 12, 15, 20 hours? Like, are you saying the mantra over and over? Are you white space in your mind? Are you having a conversation with yourself? Is it kind of random? What was cool about that really deeper flow was I said the clarity. And so it was actually, two things happened. One, the passage of time started to feel different. You know, 32 hours. I mean, if I told you to sit here at your desk for 32 hours, you'd be like, bro, it's like, come on. Like, or we just climbed 29029 for 35 hours. We're talking like, it's a long time to do something like that. And I'm just staring at this compass. I mean, just literally staring at a compass in the endless white space. So you're looking at a compass the whole time? Pretty much, because like, it's very hard to, you can't even really see the, the distance in front of you, especially when it's white out and these blizzard conditions, and I'm just staring at something. Wow. So you're just blank, because so blank pulling, can be in your you're mind. You're pulling it around your waist or your shoulders? Pulling around your shoulders. I've got a, a, a compass strapped to my chest that I'm staring down at, and it's white on white. And sometimes, yeah, skiing, but like with skins on the bottom. So it's not like, people think skiing is basically right. like glorified like, snowshoes, so it's got skins on the bottom yeah. just to give you a grip, but so you're not deep digging into the deep snow. So anyways... Pulling a sled, but yeah, in that flow state, I'm I'm thinking about what actually happened in those last 15 or 20 hours, and this was really cool. Is that I realized that all the memories we have. So if I said, "Hey, Lewis, tell me about your high school graduation," you probably have a memory pops in your mind right now, like you've got an yeah. image of that day. But then we're gonna keep talking, and we're gonna talk about other things. You'll get distracted. But in that quiet space, in that flow state. The memories in my mind, even of the mundane, became so rich. And so I start thinking about all the points in my life, but I'm a five-year-old kid on a swimming pool deck with my mom encouraging me to dive in for my first swim race, but I'm not there for a flash instant in my mind. I'm there, and I can feel the wind wow. blowing, and I can see my mom on the other side holding a red towel, and I can see you know, my sister who's going to race in the race behind me and all this. Or I, I started going back to driving to school with my sister, Caitlin, actually, and we did that every single day to high school for years and years and years. You know, we're siblings. Sometimes we would talk. Sometimes we wouldn't talk. Sometimes we'd listen to music. Sometimes we wouldn't. I actually could start to remember 
full sequences of 10, wow. 15 minute, these drives over and over and over again. So in this flow state, I was almost in this lucid dream state where I discovered that the memories, everything we've been through, even those memories you think like, that's not a part of me or I've let that go or that's not there, like they are there and in rich detail. And so in this flow state, I'm actually remembering all of the things that happened to me through my life to lead up to this moment. The kid in a swimming pool, the 22-year-old that got severely burned in a fire in Thailand, was told I would never walk again, spent three months in a hospital, my mom's you know, recovery, helping me recover through that and the positivity, triathlon, heartbreak in relationships, love, family, community, all of these things in this lucid detail, in this dreamlike state, walking across Antarctica for 32 hours of the finish line. It was an unbelievable experience. Crazy, man. Yeah. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12-pack, head to Amazon and use promo code 20PUREleaf. That's promo code 20PUREleaf for 20% off. Tell me about this uh, burn in uh, Thailand. What happened? When was this? Yeah, definitely a, a pivotal moment in my life, to say the least. Just after graduating from college, uh, I'd been a swimmer in college, and didn't grow up with a lot of money as a kid, but I'd always dreamed like, hey, like one day I want to like see the world. You know, I, I had this kind of wanderlust inside of me. I grew up in Portland, Oregon, and glad that I grew up there because even though we couldn't travel far and wide, we, you know, my parents would take me hiking and biking and in the outdoors and things like that, a place that really embraces that. I'd never really been abroad, hadn't seen other countries much, anything like that. And so I'd been painting houses as a kid since I was 15 years old. And every summer I would save up, you know, a thousand bucks in my like life savings account. And so when I graduated from college, I had ten thousand dollars. I felt like I was wow. like the richest man in the good. world, you know? <laughs> like from eight it was eight summers painting houses and, and that was the money I also had to pay for like books and like, you know, day-to-day wow. -day expense. So it was just this this carving off this little amount every single year. But when I graduated, I had ten thousand dollars and I was like, I'm gonna go travel around the whole world as long as I can. And uh, so I bought a one-way plane ticket, um, and the first plane ticket was from uh, the West Coast to New Zealand, but this is back in the day. You remember a place called STA Travel? It was like this, like it was like this student travel agency. This dates yeah. the story. So I graduated college in 2006. I think we're similar ages. 2005. Actually, did I read your birthday is March 16th? Yeah. Me too. No way. Yeah, bro. <laughs> what year? 85. So 83. a couple. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. My man. sister, Caitlin, who I mentioned, is March 15th, 83. No way. A day before, literally, literally, the actual Holy day cow, before. Holy man. So yeah. we've got some symmetry. We've got I've some Pisces like symmetry. Four or five people on March 16th. Yeah, so we're both March 16th wow, birthday. It's funny, crazy. I don't know that popped up in something I saw there. I was like, Louis got the same birthday wow, as me. That's, that's cool. cool. Anyways, so I set off from the world, and the first stop in STA travel tells me, oh, you're buying a one-way ticket for a student. You can actually stop in Fiji for free. And I'm like, great, for free? Like, heck yeah, hey, sign me yeah, up. Yeah. I'm just, I'm a 22 year old kid just trying to like, you know, see the world a little bit. So I stop and sure enough on this tiny little beach in Fiji on this island that you could walk around the circumference in in five minutes, I meet Jenna, 2007, who's now my in wife. Fiji. First stop of my trip, I meet this 20 year old, beautiful college girl who's on a study abroad in Australia. She's American, but I meet, I meet this girl and it's like kind of a chance encounter for a day or two. And then like I continue traveling and she moves back to Australia, but our lives can intertwine and here we are married and she's the wow. light of my life and the strongest anchor of everything that we've done. And so I'd say this trip started off to a good start. Right, right. <laughs> then I went and hitchhiked around New Zealand. I mean, I, have, I basically have no money. I'm hitchhiking, yeah, yeah. peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, oatmeal, hostels. youth hostels, sleeping on floors, yeah. like, I mean, whatever I can get, you know, but just to be out in the world, it was amazing at the time. And I find myself on this rural beach in Thailand, an island called Koh Tao. And uh, have you been over to Thailand before? I have. So you've probably seen there's fire dancing and poi balls and all this kind of stuff. And at 22 years old, when a bunch of people are jumping a flaming jump rope, I thought to myself, like, sure, do why it. not? That looks like fun. <laughs> Clearly, hindsight is 2020 because the rope, the flaming rope, wrapped around my legs, lit me on oh. my body, sprayed kerosene the length of my body, lit me on fire completely to my neck. I jumped into the ocean to extinguish the flames, which ultimately saved my life, but not before 25% of my body was severely burned, predominantly my legs and feet. And I'm here, I'm in Thailand, I'm in the middle of nowhere on a beach on an island. There's no hospital on the entire island, no ambulance. So I'm on a moped ride down a dirt path to a one room nursing station, like the size of this room that we're sitting in right now, basically with like one bed. And I have to go undergo eight surgeries there where there's a cat running around my bed oh in my this makeshift gosh. ICU. And the worst thing is, is the doctors are looking at me through this sort of broken translation of cultural and language barrier, and they're saying, like, you'll probably never walk again normally. Mm. Like, the damage to your ligaments, the knee joints, the ankle joints, the, the depth of the burn, like, it, honestly, you're probably not going to be like fully functional, full uh, mobility back again. Mm. And, you know, obviously super dark time in my life, just this downward spiral, physical trauma, emotional trauma. I thought I was this young person seeing this world. How could I be so stupid? I'm down wow. with myself, all these things. And the heroine of this story is my mother, who's just this incredible woman. And I don't have kids yet, although that's something I would like, that another adventure I'd like to go on pretty <laughs> soon, I think. But, um, my mother comes in, and I can only imagine what it's like to be a mother to see your kid on the other side of the world in this makeshift hospital, bandaged to the waist up, having doctors say this. And I know now that she's afraid. She's in the hallways crying and pleading with the doctors, asking for good news, begging for anything. But she comes into my hospital room every single day with this smile on her face, with just this air of positivity, where she's going like, Colin, like, what do you want to do when you get out of here? Like, let's set a goal. Let's look towards the future. I'm like, Mom, are you kidding me? Like. My life is, is, is over as I know it. Like, I'm never going to be the same again. I mean, all I can see is the darkness. And she just fills me with this love and this positivity and leans in. And she finally says to me, like, do me a favor. Close your eyes. I sit there. I'm like, okay, I'll play along. I close my eyes. She goes, visualize yourself. Just picture yourself in a positive light doing something in the future. And in that moment, for whatever reason, probably because I was an athlete, I guess, I see myself crossing a triathlon finish line. And I open my eyes and I go, fine, you want me to set a goal? And I'm kind of saying it as a per precocious kind of kid just trying to play along with my mom a little bit. I'm like, you know what? 
one day I'm gonna race a triathlon. And I love my mother so much for this. Instead of her going like, oh, I said set a goal, but maybe within the parameters of what the doctors are saying your diagnosis is or whatever, she's like, great. That's what you're gonna do. Let's learn everything about travel. I've never raced a triathlon before. I swam in college, but I never like bike competitively, run competitively. I don't even know like how you change your shoes from a bike to a run. I don't know any of this stuff. But she's like, great, that's your goal. And so it was three months that I was in that Thai hospital and I was finally flown back to the United States, to Portland, Oregon, where I'm from. Haven't taken a single step. Um, I was carried on and off the plane, placed in a wheelchair when I got home and I'm in my mother's kitchen that first day. And my mom says to me, she goes, Colin, she goes, I know you've got this big triathlon goal but you gotta figure out how to take your very first step. And wow. she grabs this chair from our kitchen table that I grew up you know, eating around. She puts it one step in front of my wheelchair. She goes, I'm gonna leave the room, but your entire goal for the day is to get out of that wheelchair and take one step and show me that you can sit in that chair that's one step away from wow. you. It was three hours staring at that chair, like looking at it. And I finally, I get up, three hours of courage and strength. I haven't taken a single step in months and I take that one step. And the next day she moves the chair five steps away. And the next day, 10 steps away. Each day, a few more steps. And you went on like that for a year and a half. You know, wow. the steps turned into moving from the couch in the living room to the dinner table at night. And then one time I was like, so I said, mom, I'm jogging. I'm literally like shuffling down the street, probably like 30 minute mile pace. I mean, just like barely shuffling, but like that day jogging just felt like flying. Like I'm just like on top of the world because I'm imagining myself racing this triathlon. Mm. And so sure enough, 18 months later, a year and a half after my accident, I'm trying to like get my life together. Like I gotta get a job. I gotta get out of my parents' basement. I take a job in finance in How Chicago, 23. And maybe just turned 24. I take a job in finance in Chicago. I'd studied economics in school and uh, kind of trying to figure out my future, you know, like I, trying to do something, I guess. And I honor this goal. I said, I moved to Chicago and I was like, okay, they've got a big triathlon here. In fact, the Chicago triathlon at the time was the biggest race in the country. It was just 5,000 or 4,000 participants or something like that. So I sign up for the race. I train at this local gym asking these random people like in spin class, like, how do you, again, how do you change your shoes? Like, I mean, I know nothing. I know how to train because I'm an athlete, but I'm like, curving this injury, I don't really know, and I show up at the Chicago Triathlon, and I race the race, and I finish the race. My grandmother, um, who's since passed away, she's at the finish line to congratulate me, like, you did it, oh my God, you finished a triathlon, you know, a mile swim, 25 miles bike, 6.2 miles run, it's an Olympic distance triathlon, and we go and uh, we collect my bike, and the way triathlons work is like people start in different staggered waves of 100 or so people, and we come back around after having lunch. She goes, don't you want to go check how you did in your age group or see like, you know, how'd you did in the event? And I'm like, sure, why not? Let's wander past the scores table. We wander past the scores table. I'm like, hi, trying to figure out what place I'm What's your name? Colin O'Brady. go, we've been calling your name over the wow. loudspeaker. You won the entire race. Wow. So I had placed first out of 4,000 some participants Crazy. in my first race ever. And it was a complete and utter surprise. Even crossing the finish line because of the staggered start, I had no idea. Oh, I literally people, had no idea. People, people were finishing before. People finished before I started because they started an hour before because they were in different waves and all right. this kind of stuff. Wow. And it was just this incredible moment when I really think about the entire sequence there and I look for, you know, this was 11 years ago now when this happened of what's happened since then is it was in that moment that I didn't go like, oh, wow, I'm the champion of Chicago triathlon. I'm so cool. I'm so amazing. What I thought about was like gratitude. What would have happened had my mom not come into that hospital room with this positivity, daring me to dream about the future, forcing me to set this tangible goal for the future, where would my life have ended up, right? And so hmm. it's this moment where I look back and then I was like, wait, like I was able to do this, but I don't think of myself as special. I was like, 
as humans, I've realized like we all have these reservoirs of this untapped potential inside of us and can achieve these extraordinary things when we're focused, when we shine positivity and light, when we lean into those that we love and uplift and co-create together. And so really this journey that I've been on, these world record projects, ultimately I, I quit my day job as a finance trader and became a professional triathlete the next day, which is not like being an NBA player, MLB player, anything like that. It's like still sleeping on couches and floors, but I got to race my bike around the world for right. several years. And it was an incredible journey to be beyond, but it really started in that moment of turning this tragedy into a great lesson mm. for unlocking potential inside of myself and why I love and I'm humbled to be able to share the story and the formats that I get to as you know, public speaking I do on podcasts like this or through my art creations and my projects out in the world is that what I want to shine out in the world is this, this essence that we have this inside of us, mm. that we really all have this ability inside of us to create and, and do incredible and extraordinary things with our life. And that doesn't mean like your name in a newspaper or having a tech exit or whatever, that's one type of high performance. But I mean like loving each other and leaning in and being happy and playful and enjoying life and co-creating, inspiring and mm. lifting up all of the different ways that you know aren't necessarily the key metrics of success the way we think of them, but that's how I, how I define it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it would be possible to achieve everything you have without Jenna in your life? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like, there's, that's, a, that's the easiest answer. Thank you for asking me. I have a softball of a question. Um, How much could you create on your own without that support? You know, I think that, you know, there was 20 years of my life before I met Jenna, and I, it's not like I was doing nothing. You yeah, know, I yeah. you know, was a, a talented athlete, swimmer, you know, collegiate, collegiate athlete, those type of things. But... Ultimately, the next level came from this partnership, from this teamwork. And that before I even met Jenna, although I had just met Jenna previous to this, it's having this, this strong mother that's influenced my life. These five sisters who brought me under their wing and teased me and played with me, but ultimately loved me and uplifted me. You know, my mom, when she's interviewed about certain things, she says, careful what you wish for when you tell your kids they can do anything they set their minds to. Mm. Um, and she says that because she still worries about me, of course, as a mother would when your kid's gonna go walk across, you know, Antarctica by himself. Um, but she's proud of me. She's never held me back. She She's encouraged me. But Jenna, in that partnership of that coming together of, of love and romantic love, as well as business savvy and strategy and support, I could never have done it without mm. that. And I recognize in saying that we all don't, in this moment in life, when you're listening to this podcast, you're in this moment, like maybe you're not in a romantic relationship, or maybe you are, or maybe you're in one that's not serving you, or maybe you're, maybe you're not. But whether that's your romantic partner, your best friend, your brother, someone you have yet to meet, I believe we are stronger together. Mm. And although it's an interesting thing to say because people have pointed out, like, if you just look at the top headline of the New York Times, man crosses Antarctica solo, it's like, oh, here's this guy completely by himself doing this badass thing that no one's ever done. Like, that couldn't be further than the truth of the essence of this. Like, this is a, I am a compilation of all of the people who have put love and energy into me throughout my entire life, as well as the people that have sat in the trenches with me when I've had a crazy idea on a whiteboard and didn't say that's not possible. They said, cool, let's figure it out. Uh, Let's create. Yeah. What's the mission moving forward? You're yeah. taking some time to recover. You're yeah. Time to eat, to enjoy, <laughs> enjoy life. Yeah. Um, Are you, you know, back at the whiteboard soon? Or are you just kind of taking it all in right now? 
for me, I finished two months ago yesterday. So it's only been two months since I finished. And actually after finishing, I knew that Lou was just a few days behind me. And so as badly as I wanted to change those underwear and get out of there with a warm meal and get the heck out of Antarctica, I was pretty done with it. I wanted to honor him and I waited at the finish line until he crossed. So wow. I, stayed, I stayed there for a couple of extra days and waited for him to cross. He ultimately completed it, becoming the second person, the only other person on the planet that has done this crossing. And I was so amazing to be there to be the first person to congratulate on him on what was an extraordinary achievement as well. So that was that was kind of the first order of business as I stayed in Antarctica a little bit longer. Um, and then finally flew back to the United States and I've been, you know, I've been incredibly humbled by the press and the media and interviews and, and things like that. It's been been amazing in that regard. And the reason that I am proud of that again is not just because I liked seeing my name in print, but more so it validates this art piece, this reverberation of positivity and giving me this platform to speak about the things mm. that I care about. And so having the opportunities now to, you know, I already was doing a bunch of public speaking before, but you know, speaking at businesses and corporations, all the stuff that I do in schools with the school curriculums I do with school kids and continuing my nonprofit work with, with Jenna and the stuff that we do there. I'm writing a book now. You know, All of these types of things is an amazing way to share this story. Are there other adventures on the horizon? Yes, I'm already, of course, sowing the seeds of those next you know, adventures in a way that I can push my limits. Um, but what I'm really passionate about in this moment is having this ability to kind of take a breath, mm-hmm. take it all in and enjoy this moment and enjoy the ability to build off this platform that I've created to really share those human messages out in the world that I think are, are so important. One of the other one of the other things that came into my mind when I was out there, it wasn't so much as a mantra, but this idea that kind of kept hitting me was these two words, which was infinite love, infinite love, infinite love. It just kind of kept playing in my mind, not so much as a mantra, but this realization that like love is not finite in this world. Positivity is not finite. It's not like a zero-sum game. Like if I'm happy one day, that means you have to be sad. Actually, and I think, you I mean, your podcast is an incredible you know, example of this, in my opinion, of sharing and shining your light in the world and sharing that positivity. And so the more people doing that, and there's certainly people that have uplifted me to be able to have a moment in time right now where I have the ability to shine that back out in the world and have a multiply effect on that. I love it when people reach out to me. You know, I was sharing the story every night on Instagram. I carried this satellite yeah, modem. Crazy, man. It took an hour to load one image every single night. So I'm exhausted the night oh writing this gosh. thing and like, this thing's like, it's like it's worse than like a 1995 AOL dial-up modem. Like it's like, like it's super slow. One picture and it takes an hour. But I want to share it out and it's amazing to have that come back and people having, hey, I followed you along and now I have started that business. Mm. Or I'm leaning into the love in my life. Or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to the gym for the first time in this. Just having that, that sort of, it's like, oh, I sent out this energy to the world and that's coming back. Not to pat me on the back, but it's like, not, hey, Colin, I watch you do this. You're really cool. It's like, hey, Colin, I watch you do this. And now I am taking that energy you sent out and creating in my life. And when that person does that in their life, I can only imagine the five other people that's going to touch or the hundred other people that's going to touch and the multiplying effect of that positivity. And so that's what I'm excited about doing. And I think you know, you know that better than anyone, the power of that. Dang, that's cool. Who is the athlete you admire the most in the world or respect? Mm. Who do you follow and admire? God, that's a that's an interesting question. I really I love that question. It could be an adventurer uh, no, or an no, athlete no, no. or any type of athlete. Um, I'm gonna say two. This is like this off the cuff. The first thing that popped into my mind. This is this is truthful. When I passed Lou on the sixth day out there. I said I've spent most of the time in silence. This is a a true story. It's not like a candid, I'm on the Lewis House podcast, I'm going to tell Lewis House story. This is this true story. I happened to pop on 
your podcast, and I had downloaded like maybe ten episodes randomly, the top ten, the top, the most recent ten, yeah, right yeah. before I left. But again, I limited the content I had with me. Sure. And the first one I play is your Kobe Bryant interview. Um, and when I met you and said, "Hey, I yeah. just did this Kobe interview. Right. It's, I was like, Gotta it's, check it's, it's out. exciting. Yeah. You gotta check it out." And so I had it up there, and you know, I've, I've admired Kobe from afar. Although I'm a Portland Trailblazers yeah, fan yeah, through yeah. and through, so you know, we have a little problem with the Lakers, but they will beat us a couple times, you know, down the stretch uh, in the early 2000s when I was a kid. But there was something about that interview and his ethic that was so pertinent to where I was in that day. Perfect for you. Yeah. When he literally says, he goes. I'm trying to stay ahead of Lou. This guy's more experienced than me. He's like more, kind of more badass adventure outdoorsman than me, you know, with all the miles he's done in Antarctica. And Kobe says in that interview, he goes, talks about being at the gym and being like, I'm just going to stay here longer than any other guy. I'm going to outwork him longer than any other guy. And so right in that moment when I'm in front of Lou, I actually clicked in and I go, okay, Lou and I are tied now. I was supposed to be out here for 10 hours. How long am I going to stay out here today? One hour longer than oh Lou. He goes 10, I go 11. He goes 11, I go 12. So wow. it's I, I would never have said before that Kobe Bryant was one of my favorite, but I'd say influentially in this moment, Kobe Bryant, that in his message of working and beating on the craft and him talking about studying the game film and the tape mm. and all these things is reflection of me is as I work on my craft of public speaking or writing or creating these other projects, it's not only to look forward to the future, but to look back and learn these lessons from that. But that work ethic of working hard or harder than somebody else was really valuable in that moment. So him and the second one I'll say, which is more kind of in tangentially related to the same space that I inhabit, shout out to Alex Hanel who just won the uh, Oscar for Best Documentary with Free Solo. I still haven't seen that. I the, need to watch the high, it. I mean, highly, highly it recommend. It's amazing. And it's, um, Is it on Netflix yet? I don't even know. Uh, I'm not sure. Is Nat, is Nat Geo? It's got to be coming on Netflix soon. soon. soon I mean, yeah. like they just won that Oscar. They were on film tour for it. I and mean, Jimmy Chin and his wife who, who shot it and, and created I mean, incredible piece. Talk about an incredible piece of art, just the yeah. way that they created it. They followed him. But that story, it's very easy, again, to look at that and say, wow, what a risky thing to do to climb El Capitan with no ropes. But I look a level deeper of that and the focus and the mindset and the true high performance that it took to pull that off wasn't some crazy thrill seeker. It wasn't some crazy like, oh, I'm going to like show this. Like that's a humble, kind, quiet guy who has been beating on his craft to such a level that he felt so, I mean, again, I'm maybe I'm biased because I I love the outdoor community and stuff like this, but like to me, as a lifelong sports fan, a lifelong Olympic fan, I mean, a, a Michael Phelps or a Usain, but I go on and on. I mean, traditional sports, NFL, Tom Brady, whatever you want to say, like I go across the gamut. But that performance on El Capitan, I believe, stands above perhaps every other athletic achievement on the planet as a true compilation of both physical craft but the highest order of mental focus and acuity to pull something off like that. So Because it's life or death. The stakes One, are so high, yeah. you're like a finger crimp, but the style of which he did it to me was just so authentic in the way that he memorized the steps and the movements. It was almost like a dance out there. I don't know. I'm just, if you haven't seen the movie, highly recommend seeing it. But those, those two things pop into my mind as two wow. really influential things that have happened recently that have had an incredible amount of inspiration and impact on me. Wow. And when do you feel the most loved? Ah. <sighs> It's a good question. I, I like where we're going with this. I, I like where we're going with this. This is great. When do I feel most loved? Is it when you accomplish something big? Is it when you're in the strategy sessions? Is it when you're in the flow state? Is it when your mom says something to you? Mm. What? There's, um, 
I was just having a conversation about this yesterday. Jenna, of course, is, is a nucleus of this, but a dear friend of mine, a guy named Blake Brinker, has been a huge influence in my life over the past couple of years, and particularly with helping me with, with some of my, my public speaking and things like that. And we're talking about one of the times that I felt the most loved, actually, was a couple years ago, I had the opportunity to give a TEDx talk. Um, and as you, you know, I don't know if you've given one or not, but uh, you seem like the type of guy that I've would have. I've been TEDx, yeah, yeah, I've been yeah. asked to do many I was gonna say, many people I... would want you to do that, but. Yeah, yeah. waiting for yeah, strategic moment. The right one, yeah, of yeah, course, yeah. sure, of course. I was honored by the invitation to do that and it's, that's not something you get paid to do or whatever but again it's just that it's a, it's a format that I love and I've always found inspiration in so I wanted to take it very seriously and we ended up having you know he, he was a tech founder working on something else or whatever and he kind of stopped what he was doing um, for a couple of months and really dove into the ability to help me craft this story and this was a story of the seven summons and the explorers grand slam and sort of talking through my journey one of the first around bigger public um, this is a couple years ago we ultimately called the speech change your mindset and achieve anything and it's something i'm really proud of but it's not the the essence of that the fact that it's you know million and a half views i mean that doesn't matter the part that i felt loved in was that in a moment of creativity where i like had something i wanted to say but didn't know exactly how i wanted to say it and express it in the world and jenna was right there with mm. me supporting me a friend who has no stake in this who has nothing to gain from this just loved me and said Let's create together. Mm. Let's play. Let's laugh. And we ended up. He, he, you know, it started out as being like, "I'll help you out for a couple, you know, hours and review a couple of drafts and like let's hear you say your talk once." And it ended up me, Jenna, and him for two months, probably spending a hundred or two hundred hours. Wow. And yes, we created a TED talk in the world that I'm proud of. But that the love was this playful space of creation behind the scenes of us laughing and, and we cried and we got into real stuff, not just about me and my story, but about him and his story and his life and Jenna's life and all of this. And so I love these shared experiences, whether that's climbing a mountain with a friend, whether that's having a, the tangible goal of creating a speech or art or whatever that is, those are the moments where I feel, I think I'm, I'm also intertwining joy, but joy and love in these moments of, of work and play and creation innovation together. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. Where can people support you right now? What's, what can they, yeah, can they um, jump on the next journey with you? Just base level, follow along on Instagram. That's the platform I'm most active on. Yeah. It's just my name, at Colin O'Brady. I love sharing my insights and, and visuals and images and my journey and path there. And certainly my next expedition or creation will be told uh, through that lens as well as any other. So, and come say hi, I love it. I mean, I, I read my DMs, I love people sh you know, saying hi to me, telling me what, what your plans are, your Everest, your canvases, whatever that is. I, I love hearing that. Um, that, that's amazing. And it's, I get so much inspiration from that. So, so come hey, say hi on Instagram. Um, then at Colin O'Brady is just my website. It's got all my speaking stuff and everything up there. So uh, you can find me there. And uh, as I, I'm working on writing this book, it's, it's not out yet, but it'll be out next year. So I uh, would love, love the support and love as I as I go through that journey and um, you know people hopefully uh, like what I have to say in that That's medium great, as well yeah well your Instagram just blew up over I think you had like 10,000 followers when before yeah I think it was like 30,000 that's like it was small and then you just yeah every day I just kept seeing yeah, it grow 200 and something now and Amazing, it's going man. up so yeah it's, it's been fun to, to kind of dive into that platform it's just a, it's, it's a fun way to, yeah. to reach people and, and talk got, to folks if you guys want to go Follow him right now. You can see the whole journey like day by day because he posted a photo, I think, almost every day. Every day, yeah, every day. And it was cool to just hear like to read the captions and learn what you were thinking and what you were going through. So if you guys want to really kind of follow along, you can go follow you and, and watch that yeah. a couple months back. This is called The Three Truths, this question. 
I think you might have heard it from the Kobe interview. So imagine it's your last day. You've accomplished every dream that you've written up on a whiteboard. You've 100 world records or whatever you want to do. <laughs> All the world records. Every world record. You own them. Uh, you're the first to do every crazy thing. You're still alive and happy and healthy. But you got to pick the day you got to go. Could be 100 something years from now, but it's the last day. And every book you've written and thing you've done, you've got to take that information with you. So no one has access to the content anymore. But you could write down three things you know to be true about all your experiences. The three lessons that you would share with the world. Mm. What would be your three truths? Hmm. I think the first one I would say is achievement is not for the select few. It's for the person who can overcome what I think is the greatest obstacle of all, but our own minds. And the second you can tap into that mindset, there is that reservoir of untapped potential waiting to be released by you. By you, you are the creator of that. So that was a lesson that I would definitely share um, with the world. So that's number one. Second of all, I said this before, but infinite love, mm. infinite love, infinite love. This reverberation of the abundance of love that we have the capacity to both love ourselves, share out in the world. And the importance of that and how we can all uplift and create in that way. And third, I'm going to go with this mantra that certainly just changed my life. I would just write it down on this paper that you just said, this paper that I could leave behind for someone else to read. You are strong. You are capable. I love that, man. Well, I got to acknowledge you, Colin, for your infinite love. When I first met you in the tent, you just exuded this joyfulness. <laughs> Even when we were climbing up and just dying, you were just like smiling and just talking along, pushing us forward with your energy. So I appreciate your inspiration. I acknowledge you for completing this. It's unbelievable you completed this thing when no one's ever done it. And the, the push you give people, you know, you striving to be your best and be superhuman allows other people to do the same. So I acknowledge you for all the gifts you bring in the world. And I also acknowledge you for you're not like this specimen of a freak athlete. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You're not like this prototypical looking shredded, like super speedy, fast guy. Yeah. You look like an average looking dude. Yeah. Not in a bad <laughs> no, way. I, I know what you mean. I but you look that. like an average looking yeah. athlete. Yeah. But you're able to push your mind past boundaries that most fit athletes can't. And that's what I acknowledge you for, showing us what's possible. Thank you. Even when it doesn't seem that way. So I acknowledge you for that, my man. We can follow you on Instagram, at Colin O'Brady, website. Get your book when it comes out. And what's your definition of greatness? Final question. Mm, definition of greatness. I think too often greatness is thought to be the amount of dollars in your bank account, or the amount of Instagram likes or whatever external metrics are in there. But I'll choose something that is that I've sort of tapped into, which is impact. And so, you know, the amount of millions or billions or trillions or whatever you have, a reverberation of your impact on others and that infinite love that you shine out there, that's greatness to me. Mm. Colin, thanks, brother. Thanks. Appreciate I appreciate it. There you have it, my friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Colin O'Brady. Inspiring story. We can all tap into our potential so much more than what we've done 
in this life today. You can become that superhuman you've always wanted to if you just learn how to tap into it the way Colin has here. Anything can be possible. Continue to push beyond the limits of what you think you're capable of. Your body and mind can endure so much you have no clue until you're willing to put yourself out there and see what it can endure. If you enjoyed this, share with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 775. Tag myself at Lewis Howes. Let me know what you think. I reshare a lot of people's stories over on Instagram. So the best and most creative stories with the best comments, I usually reshare those. Again, make sure to check out Colin and what he's up to over on Instagram as well. Again, thank you all so much for being here. And let's wrap it up with this quote from the beginning. Success is not measured by what you can accomplish, but by the opposition you have encountered and the courage with which you have maintained the struggle against overwhelming odds. Orson Madden. I love you all so very much. You're capable of much more than you know. And as always, you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. For the next 15 seconds, picture yourself in a small town. Historic buildings with galleries, restaurants, micro distilleries. Forested ridgelines on the horizon. Wide alpine meadows. Evergreen forests threaded with trails. Friendly locals eager to guide you. And if you're not quite ready to leave this fantasy, chances are you're our kind. And you should check out visitparkcity.com right away. Park City, Utah. For the mountain kind. No matter what you're a fan of, Texas has the trip for you. There's the trip to Texas and the trip. Or maybe you're the kind of fan who'd prefer a trip to Texas or a trip. Either way, go to TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn for the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium bang and a Lufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've learned the hard way that constantly holding on to your emotions and repeatedly choosing to not talk about your feelings will only make you feel worse and worse. And up until about 10 or 11 years ago, I was afraid to talk about my trauma that I experienced. And I know we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. But therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. 
try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-E-W-I-S.